This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Thanks for joining us. This is Backstage with Mel and Mike. Didn't I say that dramatically, Mel? You did. I said I really enjoyed that. <laughs> Mel and Mike. This is our 108th episode, that is which means we're well over two years now, buddy. That's a lot of episodes. Mm. I can't believe we've hung in there this long. Well, I can, because we have much to talk about and there's still much to come. We are giant theatre nerds. I expect to be here for many years yet. <laughs> If you missed last week's episode, we finally, finally put Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat to bed. Well, we didn't even. No. It was our mate Lily Berry. Yeah, she came in and said, I would like to talk about Joseph. So we said, okay. Hadn't done it yet. Okay, fine, Now we, we have. And in fact, I walked away humming the tunes after last week. Yeah, did you? It's funny. Yeah. After that episode aired, uh, I've had a few friends you know comment and, and message me oh i love joseph joseph's my favorite it's weird isn't it so we got some like yeah i had the same reaction someone yeah. close to me said oh, i just love that song any dream will do every time i hear it i think about you know mm. da, da, da. and yeah. it, it sparks a memory and i think that might have been akin to some of the things i was trying to allude to last week when i was talking about the show itself uh that the music is so accessible they, they I don't know, Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice just 
kind of struck it lucky when they chose the melodies that they did and the wording that they did. Well, they they made have, it just fun. They do have a bit of a magic formula too, don't they? Yeah, I guess you're right. They, they, they struck it with that and they refined it further when they did uh, Jesus Christ Superstar and then they took it you know, onto other things. Yeah, that's right. And they always found a way of making it all work. And if you missed last week's episode where we did introduce you to the lovely Lily Berry, uh, you can easily find it wherever you get your podcasts accessmedia.nz oh you name it radio spotify google Podcasts, apple Podcasts. it's all everywhere and lily what a treasure oh i love her isn't she the reason we don't have a guest this week is because we couldn't find anybody that matched up to lily's friendliness (laughs) we we put the call out we put up the lily berry yardstick and nobody came close nobody measured up no Either that or we just weren't able to find somebody in time. (laughs) But Lily was lovely. It was good to meet her properly because I've had a bit to do with her over the last year working with her on Geezers. Uh, She's not going to be part of the cast for the relaunch of that in, in August. But I do have a really good substitute. I won't say substitute, somebody else to take the role. Replacement. But then got to know her better during Blood Brothers, and she told us more about her background in the show last week, and it was really neat to meet somebody who's young, enthusiastic, got skills, wanting to learn more, mm-hmm. all of that stuff that she's bringing to the region. She's yep. going to be someone to watch for the years ahead. Couldn't agree more. Uh, and since we spoke last, this whole heap of theatre, been, you mentioned closing of Blood Brothers, which yep. just closed this last weekend. How was it? We had a real role with that, didn't we? Ended yeah. up with full houses, and it was uh, emotional. It was enthralling. For me, second time around, it was really great to do the show with a whole new lens on it from Angela Walker with the way that she viewed everything and the way that she viewed the role that I played, but also the energy and the commitment she brought to the show uh, spilled over into the cast, a young, really young cast mostly, who yeah. uh, just brought everything to it, mm. made it a real pleasure. Every now and again, you do a show that, people talk about for a long time i mean people who are associated with it talk about for a long time yeah and i think in this instance that is going to be a show for a lot of those younger cast members they'll say gosh i remember the first big show i ever did was blood brothers yeah. back in 2022 and it was so great and i did this and did and that. everyone loved it'll it it'll be one of those ones yeah yeah uh, and for me even on my cv i'm going to put that down as being one of the highlights for me just to, to oh, have cool. another crack at a role that i loved and and found new things to do with it. It was wonderful. People said wonderful things about you and your creepiness. Oh, that's neither here nor there, really. <laughs> I mean, what I did was was fun and it, and it was great. And I, I appreciate, you know, the positive comments I had. Mm. But for me, it was watching everybody else do what they did. You yeah. know, the commitment of the young cast playing seven-year-olds playing in the street and then becoming young teenagers, uh, experimenting with life and things. All of the stuff that went into the story was so good. I used to watch from the wings waiting for my next entrance and just going wow those guys are so good they gave it so much eh? yeah. yeah and the band oh the band we had lots of people didn't they were so good that lots of people thought they were tracks ah I well heard. we pulled the curtain aside on final night yeah to display as much of the band as people band. could see <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we, yeah we had a 10-piece band back yeah. there and tucked into the wings under the baton of julia mcintyre who is tremendous didn't she do a wonderful she job, a job. Yeah. she was the first time at a rivoli and we really enjoyed meeting her so that was the big one i guess for the last couple of weeks having that done and dusted but as you said lots of other stuff happening around the region too the show from right. the beekeeper yep, went we closed, that on sunday we opened and closed that this last week mm-hmm. um it was very nearly sold out as well did quite well huge hugely rewarding for the writer and the team yeah and what do you think? Well, it was a project that you and I both had something to do with during Boil Up last year, mm. and it was good to see that come to another stage, to be developed further, yeah. to be cast, to be given a set, all the right accoutrement yeah. to make it work. Um, 
I was blown away to think I was sitting in the theatre watching it on the exact anniversary of the date of the summer thing back in 1953, the Pretty 29th cool, of May. Eh? Yeah. 69 years ago, exactly. Yeah. They were at the top of New uh, of Everest and we were at the on top, top of, the of world. Everest too, yeah. sort of. So it was good to see that happening and I hope that uh, Matt Campbell takes it further and uh, does more with the, with the play in yeah. the future. I'm sure there's plenty of room for further development if he wants to. I think so. A bit of mm. life in it left yet, I think. And yeah. they've got Everest now, so they might as well use it. And tons of other stuff coming up around the region too. Yeah, heaps of stuff. Sherlock Holmes is coming up. What's on the plate next for you? Uh, we're auditioning for Saturday Night Fever yes. at the end of uh, July, uh, end of June, yeah, end of this month, 25th, 26th of this month. And then uh, I'm kind of handing that over to John Hawthorne and Amelia Jennings to uh, get underway with the singing and choreography while I throw my attention back into geezers yeah. to get that ready to go on stage on the 20th of August. Once that's out of the way, then I'm focusing totally on Saturday Night This Fever is the year you retire, again. right? Uh, well, I can't yet because next year. <laughs> okay. I keep saying retirement one day. But, yeah, we've already got plans for the first part of next year, which oh, we'll get to later. How, well. un- how surprising. But I'm not performing for a while. No, so you're that's not. Good. You that's get me true. off stage for a bit. Yeah, we're sick of your face. <laughs> <laughs> Understandable, Mel. No, we're not. We love yeah. your face. All right. What do you think is uh, going to be pick of the crop for what's coming up next then? You know, there is a whole lot coming up. And I was meant to tell you a whole bunch about Death and Taxes by April Phillips. Uh, I don't know anything about it. Do you? I have. Uh, gosh, I saw it a long, long time ago. And it's and it's a an often staged uh, play of April's. Mm, bit of a staple. Yeah, and it's one that has stood the test of time in terms of its um, humour and its concept. Yeah. I know that Aroha has struggled to get it on, so I'm very pleased to see they're finally doing it. Yeah. It was done not that long ago in Cambridge. Yeah, that's and right. And also other theatres around the region and around the country. I mean, it keeps coming up as one of April Phillips' plays that everybody does. Yeah, she's another, I mean, I, I, not remotely comparable, but she's a bit of a Roger Hall in terms of her plays are some staples in, in yeah. the community theatre. Yeah, yeah. And for good reason. Um, having said that, I've just told you, I, I, I saw it a long, long time ago, and I honestly don't have a strong memory of, of the whole play. It must have been I know really it good. is fun. It is fun. must have been a really good play. <laughs> Oh, what a horrible sorry, thing to say. Sorry. No, I'm not saying I wasn't impressed. <laughs> because I think it is a good play. And it, it, it talks about the two, you know, sureties in life, death and taxes. So well, how can I'll, you go wrong with that? I'll own the awfulness as my own and not yours. <laughs> <laughs> Fair right. enough. All right. So you can put death and taxes and everything else on your in your calendar. Here is our list of what's coming up around the place soonish. Let's kick off at the Meteor. An Oak Tree by Tim Crouch, directed by Gay Poole for Carving and Ice Theatre, is happening June the 14th to the 18th. Hui is devised by Henry Rangi Maria Berryman and Benny Marama. That's June 29th through to July the 1st. And That Bloody Woman, Not Far Off Now, by Crikey, directed by Courtney Mayle and Kyle Chewin, Bold Theatre. That's coming up at the end of August. Over the way at Rivoli Theatre, celebrating Matariki with Dane Moeke and Friends is coming up on June the 18th. Sherlock Holmes in the Baker Street Irregulars, directed by Glenn Matthews for Playbox, is going to stage on July the 2nd until the 16th. And Geezers, directed by Al Mike Williams for Hamilton Playbox again on stage in August. Clarence Street Theatre, Shrek the Musical, directed by Nick Wilkinson, July 19th to 23rd. And Krishnan's Dairy, presented by Indian Inc., September the 8th to the 10th. At the Gallagher Academy of Performing Arts at the University of Waikato, Three Sisters by Anton Chekhov is being presented by their third-year theatre study students, June the 9th and 10th. 
Navarra Lounge has open mic night tonight. Doors open at 6. Bookings to perform are always essential every week for that. And coming up on Saturday, Jamie McDell has songs from Nashville starting at 7.30. Morrinsville Theatre have a one-act play festival coming up from June the 23rd to the 25th. That will feature the plays Husband Murderer's Support Group, directed by Eckhard Becker, Time Pieces, directed by Chris Green, and Chug, directed by Rob Ormsby. Tawamutu, the Bullshed Theatre, has Tell Us a Story presented by the Tawamutu Light Operatic Society June the 9th through to the 19th. As we mentioned, Te Aroha Little Theatre have Death and Taxes coming up by April Phillips. That's directed by John Watson and goes to stage on the 23rd of June and runs until the July the 2nd. Gaslight Theatre in Cambridge, The Things I Know to Be True by Andrew Bovell and directed by Chrissy Hodkinson, July the 30th through to August the 13th. I'm so looking forward to that. It's going to be a good one, I think. Putataru mm-hmm. Theatre Players are rehearsing for The Mousetrap by Agatha Christie. That comes up in September. And kudos to them for tackling a biggie. Yeah, good for that, them. That's a good play for them. Thames Music and Drama have Mamma Mia directed by Diane Connors. It's on right now, running to the 4th of June. Rotorua Musical Theatre have Streaking Through the 70s, directed by Shona Clout. That goes to stage July 15th through to the 30th. Onifero Society of Performing Arts, Peninsula by Gary Henderson, directed by Jess and Scott Lorimer, on until June the 5th. Over in Tauranga at the 16th Ave Theatre, Puffs is being directed by Laura Mansell. That's July 8th to the 23rd. At the Detour Theatre in Tauranga, The Old People Are Revolting by Devin Williamson is being directed by Kim Williamson. And that goes to stage June 16th until July the 2nd. And Tauranga Musical Theatre are in rehearsals for We Will Rock You, which hits the stage also in September. In Whakatane, Theatre Whakatane have School of Rock the Musical, directed by Sue Harris, opens June 22nd, runs to July the 9th. And up in Auckland, the Auckland Theatre Company have Scenes from a Yellow Peril by Nathan Joe. That's directed by Jane Yong and running from June 21st till July the 3rd. Long Day's Journey into Night by Eugene O'Neill is being directed by Shane Bosher. That's July 5th until the 30th. And Dawn Raids by Oscar Kitely is coming up August 16th till September the 3rd. And Auckland Live have The Wedding Singer, the musical presented by David Venn Enterprises, playing at the Bruce Mason Centre June 30th to July 17th. And the Girl from the North Country, presented by GWB Entertainment, playing at the Civic in Auckland June 30th to July the 16th. And Oliver, presented by the National Youth Theatre, playing at the Kiri Takanawa Theatre at the Aotea Centre July the 1st through to the 3rd. Phew, there's a whole lot coming Ooh. up. Full diary. By way of upcoming auditions and opportunities, the Miss Cadaver Undead Beauty Pageant is still taking entries for the final ever Miss Cadaver contest. Entries close on August the 1st. You can email sandrajensen99 at yahoo.com for more information. Wing Valley Productions have rescheduled their auditions for their 2022 season of The Pillow Man by Martin McDonough. Directed by Jason Wing. Email wingvalleyproductions at gmail.com for more details. And last on the list, auditions have been announced for the Rivley Theatre Christmas season of Saturday Night Fever. Directed by Mike Williams, choreographed by Emilia Jennings, and musically directed by John O'Hawthorne. Those auditions, as we've mentioned, take place June 25th and 26th, and you can check out Rivley Theatre on Facebook for more information. And they're filling up fast too, I must say. Please remember, if there is a show or audition or opportunity you'd like us to spread the word about, uh, we're here for you. Email us, backstagepodcastnz at gmail.com. Give us a call, send us a text, let us know when you see us around the place. Next. See that almost rhymed. Send a pigeon. Yeah, almost. <laughs> I wake up hungover, I go to bed smashed, 
Like an alcoholic hamster on one of them little wheelie things. Every evening the same, every morning the pain. I start drinking at ten, and by noon I'm not feeling things. And nobody cares what I'm talking about. Oh shit, I just got thrown up in my mouth. Just swallow it, man. Just swallow it. Your opinions or your vomit, either way they don't want it. And I think I had a point there, but the point is it don't matter. Cause it's pointless having points anyway. Cause nobody cares what I say. Nobody cares what I do. What's the point of bothering? If no one else is bothered, I was born in this town, and I'm gonna die here too. I wake with a headache, I take a piss, I often miss, I often get a little bit on the floor. I eat a piece of toast that I found toasted in the toaster, then I goes to get my jacket by the rack by the back door, and then I get into my truck, I drive a block to Ralphie's shop, it's always shut, I pick him up and drive us up to Running Rock, and shoot some cans and crack some cans and shoot the breeze about the weather, or a sports team, or a car, and after that the bar. Nobody cares what I say Nobody cares what I do What's the point of bothering If no one else is bothered I was born in this town And I'm gonna die here too Sake, am I making all this effort every 
not for that tree. I think I pooped my dungaree. No consequence at all. Nobody cares from Musical of the Week, Groundhog Day. It's the brainchild of one Tim Minchin, and you are with Mel and Mike backstage on Hamilton's Free FM. And as much as I'm dying to hear all about it, because it's another one I've never delved into, uh, despite the fact that Tim Minchin's a genius, uh, you inspired me last week to bring you some wise words from a very famous actor, both off-screen and stage. I never thought I was going to be an actor. Uh, I only ever wanted to be a designer, a theatre designer, because I drew all the time and that's what I really I mean that's what I thought it was going to be and then by accident I just thought I would try for the central school where my brother had been and I and I got in mm. but I went in quite a half-hearted way and then in the early years just lots and lots and lots of um, watching from the wings and and learning Being on your Vic, feet yes I went straight to the Vic to play Ophelia um, and I think I got one or two good notices. One good notice from Kenneth Tynan, I remember. But everybody else said, oh, how dare they? The so-called National Theatre of Great Britain get the schoolgirl. Anyway, didn't matter, because I did learn. I walked on as well in the season, and I was there from 57 to 61. And so I played lots and lots and lots of Shakespeare. Of the roles, perhaps, that certainly some of your friends were surprised by... Cleopatra would be one of oh, them. Oh, yes, not just my friends, just total strangers. Mm. Openly hostile. <laughs> they were, looked me up and down. Oh, really? Um, but I just absolutely, that's what I like best. And know? it was a fabulous, I mean, that was a great breakthrough success for you, Cleopatra, wasn't it? It was one of the, the roles well, it, that really... It, people openly were derisive of the idea, <laughs> completely openly. Um, but, but Peter Hall gave me two wonderful notes, which I'll never forget, and I pass on to actors all the time. And he said, one thing is, don't try to play all the character in every scene. Just play an aspect of a character in in uh, each scene. Yes. And by the end, if you're lucky, you might have added up to the whole thing. And he said, don't, wonderful this, don't believe everything that everybody says about you. Because, I mean, if you look at Ina Barbus's speech the barge she sat in, everything, you think... Cleopatra, yeah. Crikey. But, you know, he said he's back in Rome and he's gone drinking with his friends and they've said, OK, what's she like? Yeah. And he then goes off into a kind of fantasy, enjoying himself, saying, oh, well, you could smell the perfume from the boat and everything. You know, that's crap, actually. Yeah. He's just making it up. And I suppose another one that might have been unlikely would be Sally Bowles in, in Cabaret. Yes. Because you were not an enthusiastic singer, or you... you I'm enthusiastic, which is... You know, <laughs> that's not the point, though, Andrew, is it? No. Uh, being good. No, enth enthusiasm, yes. I, yes, well, you know, that's another terrific note I had from Hal Prince. He said, you, you must remember that in a musical, if you speak in one voice, you mustn't stop it to sing in another. When it comes to the, the sort of television years, as it were, an astonishing thing happened to you with A Fine Romance, where you're actually playing against your... Husband yes. Michael Williams. Very yes. unusual to be, and I, I would imagine together. quite difficult to be sometimes to the, because the relationship <laughs> is there and then it's back at home again. And I know, but and Michael was very critical. Michael was absolutely wonderful about saying, you know, he would say what he thought. And when we were get asked to do it, Trevor Nunn said, "Oh, you mustn't do that." He said, "That won't bring any bums on seats." He was absolutely wrong. So you have a huge reputation in the theatre, big reputation on television, but it's the role of M. 
I suppose, in, in the Bond films, which suddenly catapults you a, a kind of stratospheric superstardom somewhere up there. I don't know whether it was M or it was Mrs Brown. Oh, well, Mrs Brown was a fantastic role. Because Mrs yeah. Brown was made for television. We yes. did it in 30 days. Yes. And as Queen Victoria, I think I had one dress, but a lot of jewellery and a lot of lace, lace collars and things. And that was made for television, and then Harvey Weinstein saw it and said, no, 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 we must release this as a film, because yeah. I had done Bond before that. But when I got to America, everybody used to say, uh, uh, and have you done anything else besides James Bond and Mrs Brown? So, oh, you know, you thought a few years oh, well, it's of this a and that. Whole canon of Shakespeare, practically. <laughs> bit of Ibsen, bit of Chekhov, David Hare, but it was good. It was good. I mean, it's very nice because everybody in India. I've just been to India, and everybody in India knows about James Bond. Yeah. So you're doing a scene in the street with everybody coming. And somebody says, somebody suddenly says in the middle of a shot, "I know you." This person says, ah. points at you. But well, it's quite interesting being a, f a female real authority figure. She, well, if you get you're the one to boss James Bond, yeah. you know, it's pretty cool. Do you think reflecting that you have been lucky in being super, super famous, stratospherically famous, later in life? In other words, um, you know, a lot of people become incredibly famous with their first role at 2022, and then the rest of life is a sort of struggle to, to live up to those early years, whereas you've been given it when you're in complete control of your craft and you know exactly what you want to do and you've got the power to, to take the roles you want? I don't know. I'm just aware when you ask me that question of how hard it is now because of the cutbacks in, in the arts and because of theatres closing and how hard it is for young students to come through a drama school and then have any kind of, have any sure. kind of chance to then make their mistakes and it seems to me that now you've got to to make a success at something quite early on and uh, where do you do that yes and yes. it's so unfair and we're going to go through clearly a very tough few years yes so for people kind of watching who worry about the theater and worry about actors what would your message be just go out there and spend the money on tickets support local theater. please go please yeah. go and see because there's nothing i mean was it Tony Guthrie that said, or, or uh, Orson Welles said, you know, you go to the theatre because this is a night that the person might fall off the wire. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. what... That, and people said... Somebody said to me once, does the audience make any difference? Do they make any difference? If they don't make a difference, I'll be home here with my feet up the chimney. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing like live theatre. You know, I, you can be cut to pieces in television and you can be cut in a film. You go to a film you think... Where was that rather good scene I did in that? Oh, no, 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 it's in a reel on the boss name's floor. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. yes. Um, speaking of which, you're sitting at home, I think it was the last night, and the phone rings. This is the life you live. And it's Clint Eastwood on the phone. True. 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 Not 12 hours ago. Not 12 Clint hours. Eastwood on the phone. Fantastic. <gasps> There's a possible role. He, I am going to make a film with him in, uh, in February. Fantastic. Isn't it? Oh. Isn't it? Yeah. I'm absolutely thrilled. And in terms of the future, are there specific ambitions or are the roles just coming and it's still a question of what I take and what I turn down? And The most diverse thing I can possibly do um, from the last thing I did uh, is the thing that attracts me most. People are very inclined, after you've played one kind of thing, to, 
to keep sending you that kind of script, saying, oh, this is, you know, in actual fact, that's probably the last thing you want to do. And recently I said, well, why can't I find a play about a, an Afghan woman who comes over here and learns to walk the tightrope and then turns into a dragon before our eyes in the last act? And I had a letter from Thelma Holt saying, oh, th this can be arranged. It can be Funny you should say that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Judy yeah. Dench, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my gosh, the wonderful Judy Dench, or Dame Judy. The one and only. Yeah. She's a what queen. A, oh, look, I've always, always been enamoured by her, not the least of which uh, because she married my namesake, Michael Williams. Did she? Yeah. <laughs> You're married to Judy Dench. He was Dench. a lovely, talented guy, very, uh, very modest man. Yeah. You know, and always kind of under her shadow a bit. Is he an actor? Yeah, he was. He was uh, a well-respected actor in his own right. I remember when I was toying with the idea of maybe taking my talent to the UK and bursting onto the English stages. Yes. I found out there was a guy there with my name. And I thought, who Obviously, is this? I can't go now. Yeah, I can't, I can't go and use my own name anyway because they had this thing about, you know, you couldn't duplicate somebody else's name. So yeah, I was right. trying to think of some other name I could use. But I, obviously I read up what I could about this person who shared my name and I found out he was actually a pretty cool guy. And he was married to Judy Dench. Lucky guy. And they were in love and had a very long marriage until he passed away. But Dame Judy, of course, has gone on to so many different things. Probably not a favourite moment being done up as a cat for cats. But uh, well. <laughs> but she kind of did that with good grace, too. Well, and she got to play M. They all, yes, yeah, she did get to play M. You know, you don't get to be in a James Bond film if you're crap, do you? Oh, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you do sometimes, but not in her case. No, I always say, uh, you know, what she has to say about acting is worth listening to anyway, so you might want to go back and listen to that bit of the show again. Yeah. Because I put her in the same sort of category as I do people like Bill Nye, who we yeah. heard from in another show too. People who've got real down-to-earth and very grounded things to say about the art or the the craft of acting and learning what it takes to actually be convincing on stage or on film and, and the commitment and the hard work it takes to actually get there and, and to do it. There's nothing magical about it. This is this is very seriously working at playing make-believe, and, and she she gets it. And they work very... I mean, it, it reminds me so much of people, actors like Ian McKellen as well. Um, True. Who are just... Who really have profound things to say about... About the art form, mm. and wow, and mostly it's not bullshit. It's it's, it's not bullshit, yeah, <laughs> and they're quick to call it out when they see it too. That's right. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Judy. I'm I'm so pleased you brought it forward. Well, thank you for indulging me, and thank I'll always you. indulge you, Mel. Oh, stop it! <laughs> uh, and I do look forward to the next great that crosses the backstage airwaves. Ian McCallan, cough, cough. <laughs>
Backstage with Mel and Mike, thanks to the sponsorship and support of Free FM 89.0 and Creative Waikato. Musical of the week is Groundhog Day, as I mentioned already. And when I say I really want to hear all about it, that's genuine. I always need an excuse to discover a new favourite. So, Mike, please hit us with You that. heard about it before? I've heard about it before and I know the concept and I know it's by Tim Minchin. Yeah. And that's it. That, well, that's all you need to start with, really. As you've so uh, eloquently put it, um, a brainchild of Tim Minchin's, uh, music and lyrics, everything by him, and a book by Danny Rubin. Danny Rubin co-wrote the screenplay for the movie. Okay. Based, of course, on the 1993 film of the same name. The film starred Bill Murray and Andy McDowell and was produced on a budget of $14.6 million. actually earned over $70 million in domestic box office receipts. In 2006, Groundhog Day, the film, was added to the United States National Film Registry as being deemed culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. No way. Yeah. The musical made its world premiere at the Old Vic in London in the summer of 2016 and was nominated for eight Laurence Olivier Awards the following year, 2017, winning the Best New Musical and Best Actor in a Leading Role in a Musical for Andy Carl. It then later opened to Broadway in 2017 and was nominated then for seven Tony Awards, including Best Musical and Best Actor in a Leading Role in Musical, again for Andy Carl. But back in 2003, Stephen Sondheim, when asked what his next project might be, had said at that point that he was interested in the idea of a musical adaptation of Groundhog Day. This is Sondheim talking. 
However, five years later, in a live chat, he followed that up to say that to make a musical of Groundhog Day would be to gild the lily. It cannot be improved. So he didn't bother. Enter Tim Minchin. (laughs) In a 2009 interview with MTV News, Harold Ramis, who directed uh, the movie, he revealed that Danny Rubin was working on the book for a musical version of the film, so they had already sort of got heads together on that. Rubin confirmed that he had about 12 song ideas, whittled down from about 30, along with dialogue, scenes and other production aspects. Then around 2012, Rubin had become stuck and felt that it was impossible that he could make the musical happen because he believed he couldn't progress without the collaboration of a proper composer. Yeah. Shortly after reaching that conclusion, Rubin was called by director Matthew Walkers to introduce him to Tim Minchin, who had just finished writing the songs for Matilda, Mm. the musical. Rubin felt that Minchin's work in Matilda proved that he can write songs that are funny and moving and smart and beautiful. And the three started working then on adapting Rubin's book. In April 2015, the musical was officially confirmed and it was announced that the show would receive its Broadway premiere in March of 2017, but it was later announced that the musical would make its world premiere during 2016 at the Old Vic in London as part of uh, director Matthew Walkers's debut season as artistic director for the theatre. Yeah. Speaking about the musical, he said that it's a, quote, show full of intellect, integrity and wit, insight, humour and, of course, romance. Minchin added, Our version of Groundhog Day is going to be both instantly recognisable and utterly different, and that the central conceit is perfectly suited to the theatre. It has the potential to be complex, dark, visually fascinating and thematically rich, while still being a joyous romantic comedy with cool tunes and lots of gags. Mm. Right, the synopsis, well, it's just like the film, of course, and if you've seen any films in the last 20 years, you probably have seen Groundhog Day somewhere in there. The story involves Phil Connors, a cynical Pittsburgh TV weatherman who is sent to cover the annual Groundhog Day event in the isolated small town of Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, where he finds himself caught in a time loop, forced to repeat the same day again and again and again and again. As each day plays out exactly the same as before, Phil becomes increasingly despondent, but is there a lesson to be learned through his experiences? Will he ever unlock the secret and break the cycle? Well, in Act 1... We see Phil dreading his trip to uh, Punxsutawney to do a report on the annual Groundhog Day ceremony, believing that it is far beneath his talents. As his weather van arrives in town, the people of the town are hoping that the Groundhog, Punxsutawney Phil, will not see his shadow, which uh, will signify an end to winter and the start of spring. The next morning, Phil wakes on the 2nd of February, full of scorn for everything and everyone he encounters on his way to Gobbler's Knob, where the annual ceremony takes place. When he gets there, he meets up with cameraman Larry and his new producer, Rita, who becomes his love interest later, before the Groundhog's forecast of six more weeks of winter. While Phil and Rita eat lunch at a diner afterwards, the sheriff enters and tells them that a bad snowstorm has closed every road out of town, keeping them from leaving. The next morning, Phil wakes on the 2nd of February. (laughs) Again. And he confusedly relives his morning all over again, including a run-in with an obnoxious high school classmate, Ned Ryerson. Phil begrudgingly reports on the ceremony again, which is the same result as the day before. The next morning, well, you know how that plays out, don't you? Yeah. 
February the 2nd all over again. Phil starts thinking... Shut up. Phil starts thinking he's going bonkers as he tries to find a way to stop the repetition. And eventually, it's only by changing his cranky ways and deciding to become helpful towards people that he manages to move on with his life. And of course, going hand in hand with that is finding true love with Rita. Notice how I went straight from Act 1 to the end of Act 2 there without really (laughs) pausing, because you know what the story's about, right? It's repeating and repeating and repeating, right? Exactly. The original London production was really well received across the board, opening to a string of five-star reviews. Everybody loved it. The Broadway production also received mostly positive reviews, um, particularly praising Andy Carl for his starring role. Interesting. Yeah, great. He's um, a name that I'm not familiar with. I don't know if you know him, do you? Yeah, so he was uh, in the original Broadway cast of Legally Blonde. He played Kyle, the the Ah, UBS guy. And so I think he started doing some smaller characters it sounds like Groundhog Day was one it was maybe his not his big break but a but a chance a big role for him yeah, yeah okay in terms of productions there was of course as I said London 2016 but the initial previews were cancelled because of the technical complexities of the show and they haven't gone into what those complexities were but they something to do with show. sort of making things um, no with the previews Okay. Okay, so the first preview became an open final dress rehearsal with proper previews beginning sometime after that. Oh. Then uh, the Broadway season, the musical premiered on Broadway at the August Wilson Theatre, officially on the 17th of April 2017, with Andy Carl again reprising his role from the London production as Phil Connors. The first scheduled preview there, though, on March the 16th, like a month before, had to be stopped after about 15 minutes due to technical difficulties with the revolving stage. Uh, so I'm thinking that the way they staged it was to have uh, kind of like you talk oh, about I revolving like days, yeah, you know, yeah. we're a big revolving stage thing happening. Oh, I quite like that. The performance had to continue as a concert for the rest of Act One with a sing-through of six songs after intermission using no technical components at all. So this is at the preview stage, so not a big deal. Then during a preview that was uh, almost a month later and only a few days before the official opening of the season, Carl injured himself on stage, tearing his anterior cruciate ligament, an ACL ACL, no. Which any athlete will tell you is a bloody awful injury. Yeah, my wife has done hers. Yeah. He continued the performance that night, though, with a cane. No. Yes. Yes, biting a bullet. The ouch. The matinee the next day was cancelled to allow his understudy to rehearse for the evening performance. But despite his injury, Andy Carl returned for the production's opening two nights later. Oh, my gosh. Receiving high praise in the reviews for that. And then he performed four performances in the following week rather than the usual eight to give himself time to recover from his injury. Yeah, yeah, yikes. And then carried on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know they can strap you up and send you on your way, but Gee. holy, he would have been in pain. I would say a lot of painkillers involved in that. Holy moly. Andy McDowell from the movie saw the show in that first week, and uh, later on, Bill Murray attended a performance a few months later with his brother, Brian Doyle Murray, who played Buster Green in the film. <laughs> and then Bill Murray returned to watch the performance again the following night. He liked it that much. Oh, well, that's a good sign. Yeah. The Broadway production closed in September of 2017 after 176 performances, 32 previews. An 18-month national tour beginning in 2018 had been planned, but on the 8th of January that year, Tim Minchin posted to his Twitter account that, sadly and despicably, there will be no US tour. I don't know what the backstory is behind that. Ooh, mysterious. When he says despicably, I don't know, somebody messed things up somewhere along the line. Definitely sounds like it. But in May of that year, Music Theatre International announced that it had uh, acquired the rights to the musical, allowing the company then to provide production licences to regional theatres across the globe. Yeah. Internationally, 
A Swedish production was presented by Wormland Opera in mm-hmm. Karlstad from the end of February till the 17th of May 2020, but due to the coronavirus pandemic, performances were cancelled for a short while yep. from March to April. Remember, Sweden decided not to do lockdown and all that sort of stuff back in the early days of, oh, the, fir- yeah. of the pandemic. That's right. So the show went back on. And a finished production ran at Helsinki City Theatre from August to December of 2020. I don't know where else in the world it has gone. I haven't heard of it being done in Australia. No. And I wonder whether, the although the concept of this repeating day and the whole Groundhog experience is something that I think everybody is aware of and they kind of look at that as being some kind of fable, you know, that that's something people can relate to. Yeah. But maybe the setting being so American, maybe that puts some people off thinking of it. But I think it would be a cool show to do. I think, yeah, the, I mean, the actual concept of a, of a Groundhog Day, you know, the groundhog coming and signifying the end of winter or yeah. whatever it is, um, that's very foreign to us. Yes. Um, but the idea but the of a day of, of somebody getting caught in some sort yeah, of time loop with subtle changes to the script every time that day is repeated, Yeah. I think it's a little bit kind of like um, noises off kind of thing to it. it the, you know, me, you see the same scene being played out several times. Yeah, it, it was reminiscent to me a little bit of, um, you know, Scrooge's story where he's yeah. going back and learning lessons from his past and mm. that sort of thing. It's not a particularly new thing to be done. No, the idea is not. But, yeah, yeah. Um, I think as a musical, um, and from what I've heard of the music from the soundtrack that we're playing today, which is the only soundtrack available for the show. Well, if you like uh, Tim Minchin, you'll love this. Yeah, it's very Tim Minchin-y kind of feel to the music yeah he he doesn't write awfully simple songs necessarily but he has a a way with words and a way with melodies that just kind of seems to work and just catches you you. just catches you in there it's catchy and you find yourself listening for what the payoff is going to be in his lyrics every time and there usually is one yeah yeah very much so anyway just how long did phil connor spend in limbo i hear you not asking i definitely was wondering (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You'll be pleased to know that a film blog has done all the maths and worked it out for you. <laughs> so I just thought I'd finish off with this. I am mildly interested. <laughs> to mark the movie's 20th anniversary back in 2013, uh, a site called whatculture.com worked out all of those details. And amazingly, the torturous time equates to repeating the same day 12,395 <gasps> times. The answer, then, is 33 years and 350 days. So just short of 34 years. Your mouth is wide open, girl. (laughs) I don't know why. Why was it so... He he should have aged. No, but he wasn't. It was the same day going over and over and over. So, you know, nothing changed. But... For him to have done that repetition 12,395 times. My mind is This is how they worked it out anyway. The site did a really methodical reassessment of the whole Groundhog Day thing, looking for three stages of the story, right? These included the 38 days depicted on screen. Mm -hmm. So there must have been 38 sort of um, portrayals of of that day somehow through the movie. I lost count. Um, Also, the 414 days actually mentioned in the script. Right. Including the six months four to five hours per day spent throwing playing cards into a hat. I remember that scene now that he was just out of boredom throwing his playing cards into a hat. Um, And the colossal 11,931 days spent learning because that figure is based on the theory that it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert at anything. So that third stage covered all of the time needed for Phil to learn French poetry, ice sculpting, and to become quite the master of the piano. Oh, right, and he does that within and the one day. It, yeah, well, 
during the course of the story that's what so they're figuring 10,000 hours spent to learn each of those skills is a lot of time all in the name of impressing his producer Rita played by Andy McDowell wow yeah so there's also a final additional stage identified as the gesture days in which uh, Bill Murray's character saves a falling child, performs the Heimlich maneuver, buys a couple of new of WrestleMania tickets, and does nice things for people. Mm, right, and those are all on separate days as well. Yeah, holy! So, I really that, admire the dedication. That's a bit of, that's a bit of trivia. Well, I, I admire the dedication gone into actually working all that stuff out because I, I couldn't be bothered. No, who has the time for that? <laughs> anyway, so. Um, there I am once again. I'm at the point where that is all I have to say about that. Speaking of not having any more time for anything. Oh my gosh, are we there? We're there. Uh, just like that, it is all over. Another episode comes to a close and we start concocting plans for next week. I know. We have already got irons in the fire. Irons in the fire burning mm. away. Mm. No lovely guests this week, but if we are lucky, someone will say yes to joining us next week and tell us all about their favourite great actor or their great experiences or the things that they've learned by being involved in this crazy old world we call theatre. Yeah, can't wait. Mm. Have you got any ideas? I've got a couple of ideas. Yeah, well, I've maybe got a couple of ideas, but we should have a coffee after this and do some talking. Yeah, we'll confer. <laughs> get, if, you're, if you're interested, come back our, next get week. Get out our phone lists. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Free FM, as always, for hosting us, and thank you, Creative Waikato, for sponsoring us. Backstage, as we mention all the time, is available on accessmedia.nz, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We're, we're everywhere. Check out Facebook and Instagram for the backstage updates. Yeah, we're all over that too, and mm. thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us this week. It's good to have your company, and uh, if you like what you heard, as, as Mel said, go back and try out some of our older stuff as well. Mm. But we will be back here next week. I'll be back with Mel. And another musical of the week, another friendly guest, and another maybe a, a surprise topic as well. It's been a while since we've done a, a related theater, theatrical topic. Yeah, that's a good idea. So we should maybe resurrect that. Yeah. Uh, stay home if you're not feeling well. That's a sensible thing to do. Keep wearing your mask and keep being kind to one another, please. It's just the general thing. Just be always kind. We're going out today with If I Had My Time Again from Musical of the Week, Groundhog Day. Stay classy, theatre nerds. See you. Sometimes it's like I'm stumbling forward, hustled forward, jostled from behind by time. Sometimes it's like I'm being dragged, yet always lagging, trying to keep in time with time. But if I could stop the clock for just one day, if I could freeze a moment for a moment, rest before the measure's over, hold the beat for just one my time again I would do it all the same they say but that's insane wouldn't you want to make a couple of changes regrets I'd not even have a few
my time again I would do it all the same They claim, but that's ridiculous Surely you'd want to make a couple of fixes All those boxes left unchecked All the dreams you left neglected You'd go back and put it Use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.